Welcome everybody to Alchemy Answers episode 52. We've got a special episode here today. And uh, as always, brought to you by our patrons. So if you want to ask questions directly to us every single week, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash dotaalchemy and join the club there. But more importantly, this week, we want to talk to Mr. Captain Canuck about a couple things that he's been working on. Pretty interesting stuff for Dota fans in general, and especially some of our viewers who are in the higher echelons of the MMR spectrum, because uh, good stuff. there's some cool good stuff coming stuff. down the pipeline. So why don't you oh, yeah. introduce yourself, Mr. Canuck, and uh, tell us a little bit about your project, Reach.gg. Sounds good. Um, so, hi, I'm Captain Canuck. I'm an uh, NA Dota guy. I've been around in some leagues. I admin some amateur leagues. I used to cast. I play in some tournaments. I've made an appearance at a single land in my lifetime, so I'm, uh, I'm around. Uh, but uh, as of the last uh, year and a half or so, I've been working with Dota Buff. Uh, I've been helping them kind of advance the website. Um, and most of my time has been spent working on this new project, Reach.gg. Uh, which is basically a new um, kind of in-house-ish uh, solo queue platform. Uh, and we're kind of modeling it off of uh, like ESEA and FPL and Counter-Strike. Um, we've partnered with ESL, so they're running an event that they're calling the ESL Academy, where they're going to draft 20 players out of the Reach.gg ladder, uh, leaderboard and bring those players out to a boot camp, have them coached by a uh, top-tier player, and then they're going to compete in a little side event at an ESL1 tournament. Um, and that's all going to be kind of with the goal of getting them into the public eye, giving them a little bit of exposure, um, obviously some prize money to help kind of those players uh, in their efforts to, you know, turn Dota into a career and get them exposed to pros who might uh, look to pick them up. And, uh, you know, I think this has had a lot of success as a system in other environments. You know, you, can, you look at pro sports, they always have their draft leagues, their amateur leagues. There's always the yearly draft where they bring players up into the pro leagues. Uh, that's always a big talking point in professional, like uh, traditional sports. Um, and then, you know, in Counter-Strike, you kind of have this thing where top-ranked FPL or ESEA players are notable for being big on those ladders. And then, um, you know, top teams can pick them up basically right out of that. Ladder. So uh, ESL, ESL is looking to kind of uh, create that... Uh, upper feeder league into pro play and uh, we're supporting that that by developing the platform that everyone can play on and uh, earn points in and rank up on that's super cool um i have some questions sorry I, you're gonna need i just some... wanted to say something real quick well i think actually far, far more important than that though. but anyway you may continue <laughs> i was just gonna say that we also kind of have you done any modeling of this after sort of like what the Chinese scene is doing a little bit as well, like as far as like the the progression system for people because the the Chinese Dota scene has actually had a pretty good record of bringing up new talent, like far better record than the Western scene. Like RNG was, I think, three out of the five or four out of the five players were had been exclusively on like their youth team earlier, like a year ago or something like that, and we see it with like. Newbie, CDEC, of course, used to be, I think, LGD's youth team, LFY, uh, had quite a bit of success and some really good players. So the Chinese scene has done a pretty good job of bringing people up, but it's just been super lacking in the West. Yeah, and and we, um, we're we not modeling it strictly after that because a lot of those Chinese development leagues are, um, uh, are team-based and they actually have the organization's 
finding and scouting these players off the leaderboards and then forming their youth teams. And then those teams play within uh, those development leagues. Uh, so it's a little bit different in, in that for this, we're basically aiming to run it as a solo queue platform where it's basically a replacement for the leaderboard. Um, but then we have a lot of prizes and opportunities at the top end to kind of pull people up. Um, we did actually start this project by consulting with a number of teams who were looking to, uh, you know, get a youth or a development uh, team going. There is definitely interest in that. Uh, but the big kicker was that Valve stopped allowing teams to field multiple teams under the same organization banner. Uh, so right. it was an issue for the organizations in that oh, yeah. they couldn't field a team. And if that team got good enough, they would have to sell it off. They would have to liquidate it or get rid of the assets, which is, which makes a lot less business sense. Yeah, that kind of um, that kind of sucks actually. In retrospect, yeah. never thought about that. Yeah, because you look at like uh, uh, the two VGJ teams, VGJ Storm and Thunder. Uh, they both participated in TI, and right after that, Valve was like, "No, we can't have that. That's a conflict of interest." Um, and, and the so actual those... VG team was there too. So there's three. Yeah. There are three VG gaming teams at the same TI. Yeah. Yeah. So Valve kind of cut that out, and it meant that those teams had to scatter and find new orgs. Uh, you know, Storm ended up going to Forward and then to Newbie, um, and uh, the Thunder team is now JStorm. So, uh, yeah, they just, you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense from the top-end business perspective now to field um, lower-tier teams. And in China, just because they're so regionalized, it still kind of works for them. Uh, because it's less global, those teams, um, you know, you kind of know when you field a junior team that it's not going to be competing for your qualifier spots or for right. your major spot. Um, but there's still but, money in the tier two in China, right? Like yeah. they can still compete with money and be profitable as like a secondary team. Yeah, exactly. Whereas elsewhere, they need to get into those major events, which is contesting for spots with other orgs that may even be owned by the same company. So it's it's a bit of a different scene and that makes it a lot harder to kind of run that sort of environment. Um, you know, just in my loose planning on notes, you know, there's nothing concrete, but I have uh, had it in my head that I really would like to turn Reach into um, at least a scrim finder at the minimum uh, and even better a team league down the line. But that's just my own brain dreaming of uh, the future. We don't have any current plans to support that. Cool. All right, I have a question. Tell me if this is if this is reaching too far, so to speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Got him. Um, no, but seriously, tell me if this is taboo, because uh, because you know I'm just I'm just curious. Can you tell me? There's, there's obviously like a lot of money involved with uh, like the pri the prize pool. Um, can you tell? Can you say anything about like where that where that's coming from and like if if there are any how are you getting that investment back just like totally out of curiosity i have no like in, no like you know uh. yeah no no worries um so esl is putting up the prize money and uh a lot of this comes from their belief that you know they can turn this into a broadcast um you know it all comes down to the esl academy if you look at their initial announcement that happened at hamburg last week um you know the esl academy is going to be a broadcast product for it. They're going to do some filming of the games. They're going to be streaming the players. They're going to do a bunch of content around the players developing and being coached before they go to the Academy event. Um, and they've got sponsors involved in that. I I don't know what their current status of sponsorship is. I haven't like reached out to them. But uh, as per the announcement last week, DH, DHL is a big sponsor in that as well. 
Um, so they're looking to turn this into a broadcast product. And on our side, we're uh, also, uh, this is also going to be a subscription service at launch. Um, it is bundled with Dota Buff Plus. Uh, so your $6 a month gets you both Dota Buff Plus and Reach access. Um, That's a good boom. decision. Yeah, so <laughs> good decision for Dota. so yeah, we're we're packaging it all into the same thing, and it's the same cost as Dota Buff Plus. So if you had Dota Buff Plus before, you get uh, Reach completely free. Um, Dude, Dota Buff does it right. Dota yeah. Buff does it right, man. <laughs> that is smart. I like. Um, it. So yeah, that that's kind of our two prongs on this. Is basically you know it's a broadcast product, and then it's also um, you know a premium subscription service. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's because because you know obviously like the big thing that I think a lot of people look at is like. FPL and you know NADCL and all of these uh, you know leagues that have kind of tr tried and failed and I think I think one of the big problems like where does the return on investment actually come from you know how can you like go to investors or how can you know how can ESL keep keep they've been doing a good job like, though like ESL is like probably the only third party tournament organizer that has actually done it right in the Dota scene oh yeah no ESL you know? ESL yeah I mean ESL definitely makes a lot of money. And uh, no, I think I think I think Dota Buff also, you know, with the Dota Buff Plus, like, I I, th I think Dota Buff also knows how to get yes. get their return 100%. on investment back. I think they've kind of proven that. Like D Dota Buff Plus is one of the few like premium services that is actually, you know, like the you can see like all your rankings and stuff like it's that. It's actually think, worth like, it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah most as... most aren't most right. most honestly aren't, but Dota Buff Plus is that's a that's a tantalizing one. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm not not selling out. We're not sponsored by Dota Buff. Right? <laughs> like, if you guys want, but to. hey, if you want to, <laughs> yeah, Dota Buff uh, okay, yeah, that's that's cool. Um, so uh, another question I had is, uh, can you explain, I guess, like specifically how the uh, player selection works for, uh, like, how do PSL you get Academy? into Pinnacle, or or do you mean? I'm saying, how do you get into like into the to, academy to, to, to like play play at the LAN? You know, it's yeah. Like, so uh, the top 40 players from each region will be eligible for the draft. Um, and okay. then the draft comes down to the, the coaches' 40, selection. The top 40 for like the entire season? Yeah, for the okay. entire season. And is that, uh, so we is that broken in... down core and support or just is it just strictly whatever? So That's currently it's just the top 40. Okay. Um, I had made some suggestions to section it out to core and support, but it kind of came down to this technical discussion of... How do you define a core and a support? What if you have a player that plays three and four a lot? Sure. Um, you know, those players exist. And if they have a split in their matches, do you take the majority of their matches? You know, if they play 51% of their games as a core, like, how do you really break that down? Because there are players that are clear cut, and then there's there are others that are more flexible. Yeah, and the more um, flexible players may actually end up being the more sort of like intriguing for the pro teams to look at in the future too, right? Like, cause if you can yeah. take somebody and mold them into a support or an off or a mid, like depending on where they go under the tutelage of an, a pro player, like that, that's a huge selling point for sure. Yeah. And, and so I think what's going to be the really interesting thing about the draft is because it's the top 40 of each region are eligible, but we're only drafting 20 players. That means that 10 of 40 players in each region are going to, um, and it's entirely subjective. It could be the 30th through the 40th place players, the rank one player might not get selected. Sure. Um, but the idea behind that being that uh, the coaches are going to look for, you know, qualities that they value, whether that be, you know, moldability, uh, you know, we're going to have behavior scores uh, report uh, exposed to the coaches. So if they see someone that's rank one, but they're a complete toxic shitlord <laughs> and they're just like awful to play with, 
then they don't want that person on the team. They don't want to coach them, right? Sure. Um, and then there will be other factors like, you know, versatility. What if you're like a really good Meepo player and the coach just wants to have a pocket pick, for you, you know? Um, something like that might be valuable. So I think that's going to be a really interesting point about the league. And I don't know the exact plans, but I believe ESL has some plans to run kind of like uh, lead up to the draft content where they kind of, you know, power rank the players or say this guy might go first because he's got, uh, you know, this specific that's value cool or whatever. Dude, that's, um, some, like, that's some like hockey so, football stuff. This is that's some real, I, like, yeah. it's like a... This is like real sports. Yeah. I like this. I really, I really like where this is going. Man, I've been saying for so long that there's so many good things in real sports that esports can do. draw on, and yeah. everybody's always like, "Oh, well, we're trying to be too much like real sports with like professional broadcasters and like suits and ties and you know these big like studios." But there's that's not the important stuff from real sports. The important stuff is like the development of players, like creating coachable people that can actually be on a team, like psychologist support staff for these teams like that's the stuff that sports does well because they've been doing it for so long and that's the kind of stuff that esports really needs to bring in to like take it to the next level yeah exactly and and i i think that this kind of draft flexibility while on the surface i think people will say like well what you got first place but you're not you're not in um you know that that's might be a frustration but at the same time there's also all of those kind of uh intangible qualities as well you know really good communicators are much more valuable to a pro team than somebody who might just be like 200 MMR better as like a mid, like high skill, right. you know, just, just pure reflex player. Right. Um, so, and, and, you know, that'll come down to the coaches that uh, get recruited by ESL. I currently don't know the status of like who they've recruited or if they've recruited anybody at the moment, but, uh, you know, depending on the personalities, we might see them favor different things in the, uh, teams that they select dude and there oh my god there's so many sorry i'm just kind of going off but there's <laughs> there's so many cool things that they could do they could bring back like historic coaches like denny's not on a team dendy's the coach for this one you could have like loda be the coach you could have bring back like bulldog as the coach or something like that <laughs> you could really pull in so much different stuff from like dota's history to to build this out so it's going to be really yeah, interesting Montana so. is a coach. yeah exactly tc is a coach <laughs> legendary legendary player yeah no it would be super interesting and i i'm uh i'm still waiting to see kind of what comes out of that uh, they'll make an announcement at some point but, uh totally privy to the details on that but yeah no i'm super excited about that as well like just being able to see uh who they rope in and what kind of uh of, you know what what they prioritize in finding a team and who they choose to kind of bring up under their way stuff it's gonna be really is there um I guess I guess moving on, is there anything uh that you've noticed from the first few days of playing that you wanna change with the system? Is there any any like, you know you said you said like Crit and Artesi were playing and like Crit went to play a pub, Artesi kept playing or whatever. Yeah. Um I mean Because obviously been... there's gonna be something that needs to you know it's gonna yeah. require a little bit of changing and fixing. Um, and and yeah, we've been we've been getting you know reams of feedback here. Like I can show you my notebook; it is absolutely full of brim with yeah. just like <laughs> stuff that we've been uncovering. And you know, like this is the you know today is the second day that the platform. Um, and so it is in beta officially. Like it, yeah, yeah, it says it is, in beta. Yeah, it is. It is officially a beta. So. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of issues right now. I think namely what we're looking at today is just some 
got a better admin tooling to manage some of the things because uh, players have been, you know, kind of abandoning or dodging games, and we need to be able to punish that. You know, I especially... had a question. Yeah, I was I was yeah. gonna say I played a game and I was gonna I killed it for a second, and then I had a guy that just that just left, and I thought we were gonna get a free win for that, which I was stoked about. But then I noticed we didn't. I was thinking like. What what makes it so that I don't I can't just like see my team and see that we have like oh I have a, an ancient player on my team they have a you know immortal rank hundred mid I'm dodging you know yeah and we currently have we currently have a behavior score system and it does take that stuff into account um, we do get like reports when a player is um, you know abysmally low MMR and we can manually ban and stuff uh, but we're looking at just kind of advancing some of those tools so that they're a little more automated and that we can hand out some cues and whatnot. I can't speak okay. too much to the details of what we're working on specifically for that, um, but that's definitely been a big issue because, uh, you know, rolling this out to such a limited player pool, like we've, we're only allowing mortal players in the system right now, and we've had roughly 200 to 300 players, uh, both in EU and NA, in the first couple of days. Um, so I honestly didn't expect people to be as awful as <laughs> um, <laughs> you are but, uh, yeah i mean I, I guess i just haven't played dota in a little while but um but yeah we were like okay yeah we'll take it easy the first couple days and then we'll start building in these uh systems and make sure that everybody's getting the right uh punishments for any uh you know bad behavior and whatnot and uh day one it was just, oh this needs addressed okay <laughs> um so so yeah that that's one of the things we're working on we've got a couple you know i We've got a huge list. Uh, I'm creating a backlog, and you know, part of my role with the company is basically just prioritizing to get hits. So um, yeah. we're aware of a lot of issues. There's only so much we can do in a day, so we're crunching out uh, a handful of things right. every day. But uh, you know, at first it was stability. We had some issues with the bots. The game coordinator wasn't cooperating. Uh, Steam decided to push their Halloween sale live right in the middle of our launch, which brought down the Steam servers. So that was fun. Um, but now we're kind of through the weeds on the functionality stuff. The bots are getting people in matches. Uh, you know, I can see the queue right now. The game just popped. Um, but uh, yeah, now we're starting to look at kind of from some of the I've quality seen, of life stuff. From what I've seen, like functionally, everything seems to be working perfectly. At least, at least like from what I've heard from players and what, what I played. I just yeah. For some reason, we uh, we've we've kind of shafted the EU guys two days in a row by accident. The first time it was like EU just came first and we just had a bot bug that we needed to fix. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we cut the EU session yesterday um, to address some of that stuff. And then today, a bug that like we didn't touch the code at all. NA played totally fine through the entire night. And then there was just a bug in the morning for EU. Fucking Europeans, so... man. <laughs> damn Europeans. So we uh we went and tried to fix or we we took the queue off for like 15 20 minutes and we adjusted that and uh eu was able to play through the rest of today so um so yeah i, I definitely feel bad about uh the experience some of the eu players have had but hopefully it's it's gonna get better now we've sorted out a lot of stuff and we're looking stable now nice i wanted to backtrack a little bit um because we talked about like the the process of getting into the academy um yep. and, and right now you said that you have basically just accepted immortal players um, into the league for the beta test. And so that indicates to me that you're also planning on rolling this out for lower divisions as well. I know that you have the, the pinnacle division is what it's called for yep. the current one. So what is what is your planning for like MMR bracket 
um, sort of like grouping, I guess. And then also how do you plan on, on adding people in and like segregating the game so you get the highest quality matches? Um, so we base, uh, so we, we basically take uh, a player when they sign up for reach and we grab their Dota two ranked medal and we use that to seed them in our system. Um, and I can't talk too much to the specifics of exactly how we sure. uh, work it out from there, but we do have a ranking system where uh, we have our contender division, and contender division is basically the main player pool. There's 12 smaller divisions within it, um, and you'll get matched or you'll get placed into one of those divisions. <clears throat> and then at the very top division of contender, um, the top, I think, 10 or 20 players um, every two weeks will get moved up into Pinnacle. Um, and Pinnacle was originally slated to be the top 500 player in a region, um, which we felt was kind of a, you know, a good balance of having enough players to play and being high skill. Um, and we're debating whether or not that's the right size. We might trim that down, you know, 300, maybe 200, uh, if we feel that, uh, the queues can be sustained with that amount of people. Uh, but regardless, yeah. Pinnacle is kind of the top premium division and uh, will slowly filter people in from the top contender. And then contender, you can move up and down uh, depending on how your go. Um, but uh, yeah, Pinnacle right now is just for the beta, we've accepted all immortal players. In so as I was saying before, it's supposed to be a limited two to 300 player or two to 500 player window. Um, and right now we have it open to all immortals. So we're seeing a relatively wide skill fluctuation within pinnacle uh which is you know a lot of people have had some uh issues uh with you know i oh hey you know i'm a 1600 ranked immortal player and i'm up against a 100 ranked immortal player and it's like well yeah it's, that's not how it's supposed to work on I launch did. but um yeah but i had a 1600 bid yeah. get dumpstered man yeah oh, it was rough so that that's kind of the situation we're in right now where just to get enough games in the beta we've opened it up to uh, you know, a wider pool being all immortals. Uh, we, you know, we were hoping that most of these players are within a reasonable enough skill uh, skill range that our games end up uh, mostly okay. And then uh, from there, we can kind of trim it back in as we open up the system to more right, players. Right, that makes sense. You're just like basically brute force testing, sure, just to get all the functionality working to make sure that it's it's all there. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, that was actually going to be my next question. So, um, so are you planning on on making it or, or just keeping it immortal like that's the that's the baseline to get in or i guess what i was asking is like will you have you know like a a guardian to crusader bracket eventually or will you have like is the plan to eventually roll it out to the full range of the dota population or really just keep it as like a premium matchmaking service for high level players um or are you less so on that <laughs> Sorry, can you restate it? I actually got a message from somebody. At work. That's okay. Uh, uh, I, I was just wondering if can the, noobs play. Can eventually, noobs play eventually, are you planning on rolling out the platform for everybody in the population, or is it yes? Cool. Yeah. So uh, when season one launches, we're running our beta season through November, um, and at the end of November, we'll be going live to absolutely everybody. And uh, we, um, like I said, we'll be using your rank medal in Dota two to seed you into the system, and then you'll play from there. Um, so you, so everyone that's not Pinnacle will be seated into one of the 12 contender brackets that I sure. mentioned before. Cool. Um, and then you'll be able to move up and down from there. Um, 
we we do anticipate that this is going to skew higher MMR. Um, it's more likely that we're going to have more competitive players uh, aiming to play on uh, on this platform. So um, you know, it might be tough if you're one, two, three k to uh, get matches on reach, but uh, we're hoping that we can populate it enough that uh, you know it serves as kind of a premium queue environment for uh, for anybody of any skill level. Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Battle Cup seems to be extremely successful, like all the way through the whole bracket oh, yeah. range. And I kind of wish that they did more stuff like Battle Cup, honestly. That yeah. they, you know, well, how Valve is they uh, they they start a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Speaking yeah, of, I was actually how was long actually until Valve rips you off on this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. We we've had it happen before, and and we adjust. We adjust. <laughs> Careful, Donnie. <laughs> Sorry, We're done, not, Donnie. not oh, trying no. to get us all fired. We're done. We're no more on that. No, but I uh, I I actually was under the impression for the longest time that when uh, Valve implemented Battle Cups, that they were eventually going to expand the system and use it for qualifiers mm-hmm. and just cut face it out, and then they just never did. That's so, what I. That's what I thought as yeah. well. Once again, I think they start a lot of things. They're like, "Oh, yeah. dude, this could be huge," and then they're like, "I'm bored. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. go work on artifact." <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, man. Canuck, are you playing in the league? I haven't played yet because I've been spending 10, 11 hours a day just answering player questions all day. Like. Actually, during the course of this call, I've gotten one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and one more just now nice. messages uh, from <laughs> players in the league. So I've been a I've been a busy boy, but uh, I ideally this will let up once we kind of sort out some of these bot issues yeah, in the first couple yeah. days here, and then uh, I'll I'll be playing later in the week. Yeah, launches, launches nice. always. Yeah, of course, yeah. recusing myself from any prizes, so there's no conflict. But, uh, you know, I'll be up there. Don't worry. All right. You'll, I you mean, get, you you'll give yourself the default one. wins. You'll give yourself the default wins, but you won't take <laughs> any of the prize pool, right? Of course. <laughs> I'll make I sure I'm ranked one, but somebody else one. is getting them. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all that like, really matters. You got the money for placing first, but I placed first. <laughs> so no matter what, people will lose. <laughs> There's no winning when Canuck is in the league. So um, as... Uh, well, I mean, if you got a bunch of a bunch of questions to go answer, uh, but generally speaking, this uh, this show is a Patreon question show where we get questions about you know general Dota concepts and stuff like that. Do you want to hang around and answer a few of those? Like, do you have time for that? I'd absolutely love to. I, I, I tagged a few of the other staff and told them to take over, so they think they've got their thumb on. Yeah, we so. don't usually we don't usually go for too long. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm down to. Uh, okay, cool. All right, cool. Down to I, and and for a... reference, you are a high-ranked immortal support player. Generally speaking, you play four. If offlane I correctly, player. offlane. Okay. Yeah, oh, I, I actually used bad. to play four. I played four last year, and I switched offlane. Nice, nice. What are you playing? What what's your what's your off go to offlaners right now? Uh, are you an my... Legion kind of guy? No, no, no. My my all time highest uh, is uh, Earthshaker, and that was far before the uh, Morphling Ags got at. Oh, he's he's getting picked a lot right now. You know, yeah. what? I need I need to actually move him up in my offlane tier list because <laughs> he is getting a lot of Earthshaker offlane is my boy. My the other one I've been playing a ton recently is uh, Beastmaster. Nice. Um, That's another. Good one. I, I'm always creeping while you're sleeping. <laughs> um, he's a solid one. Tiny as well. Tiny's always been. Tiny's I fucking love me. Tiny, dude. I've been doing Tiny Techies. 
with people. Gross. Also, I know you're gonna like this, Jenkins, because I saw you were playing it the other day. Um, I I've been I've been slowly starting to think that uh, Clockwork's a sleeper offlane. Nice, nice. Yeah. My I only... saw you got dummied on it yesterday, but right. I mean, my my only problem <laughs> with Clockwork. My only problem with Clockwork is that he falls off. He mega falls off. If you and if you don't have a position four that is a scaling hero, you just end up with one less core in the game. And sometimes yeah. you just end up with one less core in the game, even if your position four is scaling, because they also have a scaling position, which can be a problem. Like, Clock is one of the best heroes for just going in and suiciding in every single fight. But you have to do it. That's all you do. Yeah. You know? So that, that's the only issue. But, man, does he do damage these days? And, like, he has utility. If you can get some levels, those talents, like, he's good, man. The new yeah, and too? The Okay, they're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's there's so many uh there's so many heroes that are just kind of starting to come back into popularity that just get owned by I mean, you know like like Coddle's a big one like CM gets picked every freaking yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, Gyro, you get a blade yeah. mail and just like absolutely shred him. Yeah, um, exactly. I was playing against a Naga the other day, at like, like Ritsu or somebody like that, some dirty Naga spammer, and I I he songed and TP'd out. I'm like. Not today, bitch. I fucking hook him from 2,000 range. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, I fed. Because most heroes can't punish that these days. Yeah, yeah that's true. But you can't do that against Clockwork. You, Nakes, Juggernaut, you can't just spin TP and go split push. Clockwork is there, and he's stopping you. Like, these heroes, they can't do what they do against most heroes. But that being said, still has some problems. He's not like S tier, but I think he's I think he's pretty Yeah, no, I, I, think, he's, I think he's a sleeper hero ready to come back with, like, two little buffs, you know? Yeah, he's. Yeah. I think I think if he gets like a little a little strength buff or a little uh, you know like mana regen buff or something dumb like that, he'll. Yeah, he'll I agree. Good. I agree. Right. He's like he's like really close to being S tier, like really fucking close. Any other heroes? Any other um, heroes? looking looking through my match history here. Um, have you tried Venno? Venno, I I have a weird relationship with Venno. Like I. Okay. I always want to play the hero. He always seems fun to me, and then I just get dummy. Like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like if I play it in pubs, the team doesn't know how to play around me, and then I just get picked off by those heroes that don't care about Venno, like a Spirit Breaker. Oh, the like it's just like and SBA, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like you pick Venno off lane, and instead of like having a four that sits around you and protects you with stuns and helps you push the tower, you get like a jungling Marana. And then you just get trilane, then you die over and over. I actually like. Uh, I tried. Um, I tried Venno Enigma, and you just have the Enigma like deny, deny every single range creep, pull the lane back to the Venno's tower, and then the Venno just jungles the hard camp and like farms in front of the tower and get you mm. get solo XP, and then Enigma gets solo XP. He farms a dom, you farm a pipe, and you just run at towers. Like that shit is so cancer, especially with the with the new pubs. You can like duo queue with a pause four, yeah. and just do that when every single game. It's pretty dirty. sick. Yeah, it's it's dirty. My yeah. other hero that like I'm really itching to just just get that little bit more there, like the kind of clockwork territory is like is Lone Druid. I, I love playing Lone Druid. Like Lone Druid and Beastmaster, like the minor micro heroes. I used to play like uh I used to play uh Brewmaster a lot too. Like just, yeah. just the heroes with a little bit of micro, I love the shit out of them. Lone Druid, I've been waiting for him to come back, but he's just like just not quite. Almost. Yeah, I I think um my my personal opinion, I'm actually like making a video about this um tonight. 
But my personal opinion is that there are a lot of uh, heroes that should probably come back into the meta and probably will. Let's say there's no patch. I think I think like Brewmaster is probably one of them because he completely hard counters like Legion, Abaddon, these kind of like run at you frontlining sort of like cancer heroes. You just throw somebody in the air who's a problem. Like Doom as well. Like yeah. you, you know, you 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 Doom like OD for example. You pick OD against like all strength course, you just fucking win the game because he just presses <laughs> hit somebody twice, presses all they all die. Right. But you Doom them. You can't do that. Like if you Doom them or if you lift them, like there are these heroes. That hard counter, a lot of the meta heroes that just suck because their abilities aren't that great. Yeah, but I mean, they can nerf still too probably hard. get picked. They can still probably get picked just because, like, that's why Abaddon's good is because nothing. You pick Abaddon, nobody really ever counters you. You should have a free game usually because none of the counter heroes are good. You know. Yeah, it's exactly. Fucking stupid. It's stupid. Yeah, I when I when I was like four point five k or whatever, I kind of shot to six k in one like solid period like i think there was about three months where i shot from like 4.5 just straight up to 6.3k and i kind of plateaued thereafter um but that was like i don't know i just figured something out about dota i don't know what it was but i just like skyrocketed and during (laughs) and during that time i was playing earthshaker brewmaster and uh centaur warrunner every single game it was one of those three um interesting those are all pretty different heroes too like they play around their their six a lot they play around their ultimate but there is something that is similar about those heroes like uh so like brewmaster and earthshaker and centaur to some degree in my opinion are kind of similar because like a lot of the way that you deal with these like maybe dazzles oracles these heroes that like you have to disable them but maybe there's like a carry you need to disable as well so it's like how the fuck do you take a fight if you fall single target it's like aoe right brewmaster is like similar it's like you have an abaddon you need to take care of you also want to kill their carry you just throw the abaddon up in the air with the brewmaster like these heroes have a way whether it's through like aoe or uh through like you know the brewmaster lift to like isolate heroes and disable them and kill them while also disabling like the back line that you need to go on it makes fights like tidehunter i always say to people like Tidehunters is best in games where you need to focus one target because he disables everybody, which allows you to focus one target. Void Chrono yeah. too. It's the reason people don't go for the Chrono Radius at level 25. People go for the Backtrack because every time you Chrono, you're just killing one fucking guy anyway. You don't have time in a Chrono to kill multiple people. Right. Like, that's not realistic. You Chrono everybody and you kill the carry. That's it. It's a one-person thing. It just happens to be AoE. Yeah. And, and I think... Uh... I think the thing that maybe I discovered at that point when I shot up an MMR was like <clears throat> just the principle of like taking a minor lane advantage and turning it into map pressure. Um, because that was just pre patch. Uh, I think that was pre 7.0. Was it 7.0? Um, <clears throat> it was, it was right before they moved the creep equilibrium back changed the deny XP to like 10% or some dumb shit. Oh, that was, before, that was before they, stupid. Yeah, that before, was stupid. That was the worst patch in Dota ever. They <laughs> they destroyed the offlaner. That was the was, worst time to be an offlaner, yeah. man. Yeah, I no, hated life. I, that was when I switched to playing four when you knew me as a four player. Um, you couldn't do anything. But <laughs> yeah. Your Crystal no, Maiden's level five. You're level three with a yeah. solo lane. <laughs> but right before that patch was when like I was playing offlane. So like every single one of these heroes, I would just farm to a blink dagger and I could get it relatively quick 
Um, you know, I think I think Blink still cost twenty one fifty back then, um, and you could get it like, you know, ten to twelve minutes, right as like you're getting your level six. And with every single one of those heroes, Earthshaker, Centaur, Brewmaster, you'd get to six, you'd get your Blink Dagger, you buy a smoke, and I would just go hit the map, like teleport safe lane, kill two heroes, or teleport mid, get their mid, and get their tower. Like there was just this like concept of playing faster and pressure that i just kind of adapted and tuned into i think i just had a couple games successfully doing that and i went like oh you don't have to sit in your lane for 10 minutes <laughs> you know like or like you don't have to sit in your lane for 20 minutes you just like get your item and go fuck shit up and that was like that was when i really tuned into that so i think that might have been what really got me that's a that's a good Heroes. that's a really good concept what i always yeah. say to people now people are playing coaching, so much faster now than they were what, a year what ago. i tell people now in coaching is like at, at like about five minutes into the game a second laning stage starts like if you play as if there's one laning stage in dota you're playing old dota there's two laning stages now there's like the laning stage until five minutes then bounty spawn then siege creep spawn then it's nighttime war like some wards will like be the wards will be despawning soon there's three wards in stock like if you think that all of those things can happen at the exact same time and that it's not going to start a new fucking shift in the game like you're like totally out of whack you know with yeah. like, what's actually going on in the game because it's a totally different game at that point so that it, heroes have levels too like you have these matchups that are no longer favorable like sniper versus puck sniper can't lane against puck anymore when puck is six because puck will just coil sniper gank comes in sniper's fucking dead you have to move the sniper so at five minutes you always look to to make a move on the map and if you are the first team to make that move you will generally win dota it's like taking the tempo in chess yeah that's kind of that's kind of how it is yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we should probably get into the question. <laughs> There's not that many, so it's, it's not it's not um, it's not going to be too uh, too long. Um, okay, so first question. Uh, feel free to jump in if either of you guys have any uh, response to this. If you lose your lane as a lane dominator support, this is Vicky asking this. Uh, that does not have a wave pushing ability. What should you do to come back into the game, or is it just over? If you're playing a lane dominator. Undying. I'm assuming this is referring to Undying. Undying Ogre, one of those two. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you guys are... I'm not a supporter. <laughs> man, this this one's so hard, because I I passionately hate Undying for this exact... Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like, the other team doesn't, like, lose the game in 10 minutes. You just feel useless. Um, and I think... I think my answer to this would basically be that you need to um, acknowledge that your role in the game is shifting due to how the start went and allow more farm space to the other player. You know, if say you're a four undying and you've got a five CM, you tell your CM to take the lane. You start buying wards, you move around with your glimmer cape and you, you know, set things up for your team because you're not going to do any good. Yeah. You're not going to do any good sitting in a jungle camp hitting creeps for 45 seconds. Exactly. You're not going to do any good trying to push a wave with your auto. Um, so I think it really comes down to like communicating with your team that you are falling off, that you missed your timing, and that you're going to take on a more sacrificial role and allow them to take that space. Yeah, I also think that, I mean, I play five, so I play a lot of Undying right now, and I've been finding that it really is, I mean, you were saying there's two laning stages. There's like two phases of undying, basically. During the laning, the first laning phase, let's say, the first five minutes, you are arguably the strongest hero in the game, in like any game, just because you steal their strength and you can just bully dual tri-lanes, whatever. 
And then once you hit that timing, whether it's because your carry had a bad laning stage, maybe they just suck ass, like <laughs> you don't really know. But as soon as the other team stops getting bullied by you, you immediately go from being the most aggressive hero in the game to the most defensive hero in the game. And you basically have to just like sit behind your exposed core and soul rip them when they get gone on, drop the tombstone. If you have your ultimate, you know, make space that way. Um, and leech a lot of experience. You just want to be near your core and just like try and make sure that they feel safe to be farming aggressively and get your experience that way because the hero does come back online, uh, you know, like level 12, level 15, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, tombstone's pretty good. Ultimate's pretty good. For yeah. Team fight. People so, will fight. It's Dota. People fight mindlessly. Yeah. So yeah. you just kind of want to be around like collecting a little bit of gold here and there. Maybe if like your mid is, he goes to the jungle for whatever reason and a couple creeps slip through you know get those last hits don't fucking miss last hits on undying and then slowly build up to just like a couple tiny little tanky items and then you basically just have to exist and keep your your heroes alive and just do damage with flesh golem which is super easy yeah and i i think reiterating your point about like soaking xp i think xp is one of like the easiest things to kind of like let slip in dota like you yeah. just don't pay attention for a couple minutes, and then you look at the scoreboard, and you're like, oh, I'm three levels below everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think a lot of that comes down to, like, um, you know, when I coach people, I, I joke about them doing the I don't know what to do dance, where right. they, <laughs> yeah, where they, where they know that they have a couple places where they could be, but they don't know which one is the best. They so they just, to one of them. yeah, so they click on one side of the map, and they start clicking towards there, and then they see, like, a little skirmish happens somewhere else and they turn around and click there and then like you know they, they do this little like loop where they're doing nothing um and i think kind of god, the amount of times we've seen that in a replay oh my god yeah shit, it's like dude. just go yeah. somewhere please just, just yeah. <laughs> hide somebody yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're free to use that v i don't know what to do dance i think yeah, I, that's, that's one of my favorite that. coaching terms yeah coining, um, coining things like that is so helpful too actually <laughs> it helps people remember it's like oh shit i'm doing this thing right now yeah yeah um so yeah, just making sure that you're committing to one course of action, even if it is like, just go to this lane and sit behind this guy, and then a skirmish breaks out somewhere else, and you're like, oh shit, I went to the wrong place. At least you did. Right. Uh, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tangent off of this, and uh, I'm just gonna make a note here that we're probably not gonna get to all of the questions because we are talking a lot about this stuff. But I really enjoy the conversation, so I think this is I think this is fine. We'll get to the other questions we missed next week. But okay. So I I was talking with my girlfriend who's also a Dota player uh, about about Dota and about you know calls and like making moves on the map maybe as a team maybe like okay I'm gonna take and sit in this safe lane tower here you guys all farm the triangle like things like that these like big strategic map movements I was talking to her about that and uh, my team about a week ago we were like on stream Sammy Boy stream losing to fucking divines and pubs. And I'm not going to leak any scrim details, but we've been scrimming recently. We've been playing party queue. It's been going significantly better. We're, we're you know, keeping up with, with good teams. And one of the big things that I personally changed is that I'm being confident in my calls regardless of whether or not I'm doing the optimal play or not. It's like I would rather do a slightly suboptimal play and be sure of it than to roll the dice on what I think is the optimal play. You know what I mean? And to extend it further, what I, ha I had this realization that in Dota, bad calls will typically come from not knowing what to do and fabricating some 
bullshit out of nowhere trying to win the game. It's like, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You, you, just, you just fuck up that way. And I think generally it's better to just like wait in a lane or go like, you know, farm or push a lane somewhere. Like obviously it has to be something good that you're doing on the map. You have to take like a good map play. But eventually if you have played enough Dota, something will come to you where it will be obvious what you need to do. I'm Shadow Shaman now. I have Serpent Wards. I need to run to this tower. And I really feel like if you wait for those thoughts, those ideas, and you stick to those and you just trust yourself, yourself you're like you're never gonna make bad plays like if you think i could go to this lane or this lane and they both seem like good plays and you just do one of them i fucking guarantee you you will not end that game displeased with your plays if you are displeased with your play you will think oh i needed to do the other one and then you will improve for the future that is that is like my theory on this i think all you need to do in dota is play a good passive game until you have these ideas and then just commit to one of them and then if it doesn't work do the other one next time and then it'll work and then eventually you have this like good idea on Dota. Yeah, That's like yeah. my whole theory for learning. And, and I, I think a lot of that too comes to like uh, hero expertise as well. Because like I said, when I was playing yeah, those expanding. three heroes, I knew that there was this power peak right around the time they hit level six, and right around the time I got my first item where I could make a play that nobody else on the map could. Um, and and, you, and, and you know that that play is going to work because you make yeah, it. Totally, totally. Exactly. Yeah. That's also why I think hero spamming is really good. I actually, I, I wrote that down as well. It's like, this is why if you if you're trying to play you know if you if you really want to win a game you have to pick a hero that you you're gonna know those those ideas will come to you faster because you'll have experienced shit before where you are bound to fail is when you are encountering something you haven't experienced and you're just trying to solve it in some like dumb bullshit way that you have no idea whether or not it's gonna work it's to roll the dice yeah dude i uh i've i played nine or ten state straight games of treant in the last two days hmm. and i lost five in a row playing him the way that I played him. I, I have like a 70% win rate on this hero over like 100 games. He just like really fits how I want to play Dota a lot of the time. And uh, so I had been playing him as a four, like back when he was like, a, you know, a meteor hammer sitting in a lane, like run up, just like be annoying as like yeah. a split pusher. And now he's played as a five and I've been playing him as a five, but still trying to like tech into the split pushy style. And so I lost five games in a row doing that. And it finally clicked to me. I was like, wait, if I'm playing him as a five, I cannot do this because I have to be fighting with my team as a five. Like there is no five in Dota that you can pick right now that doesn't exactly. fight with your team. It's always, it's always something that's like conceptually not working out because your role has a different purpose right. in the game. And so I changed my item build today and won four straight games as Treant. And I was like, oh my God, it's so easy to play this hero <laughs> once you understand what you're supposed to be doing in the game. But the only way to get to there is to actually like spend the time playing that hero and feeling god this sucks why does this suck so bad and then go through yeah. that logic chain to get to the answer yeah and i i think i personally you know like i said i shot up an mmr a long time ago and i've kind of plateaued since then you know a lot of, a lot of that's been work but because i ha i've been focusing on other things i haven't i haven't cracked those conceptual barriers because i still get into a game on a hero that maybe i've only played a couple times in the last you know few months or whatever and I still think of them in the terms of what I thought about them a year ago. Right. You know, sure. I, I still think, okay, this hero needs to do this. You know, if I want to play, you know, my Beastmaster, who's a hero I'm, I think I'm really good at, you know, my mindset is like, hey, I got to just push this lane. Like, just play bottom all game long. And 
you know, I don't know if that's really true anymore. I mean, it might be, but like, it's not something I've spent the time to figure out. So, um, that's a a weird one actually. So yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's very much it where like when you don't have the time, like I don't to, you know, really crack those, those barriers, it becomes really hard to improve. So getting to a point where you've played enough games that you can just really like zero in on why something isn't working is really valuable. Totally. I'd love to ask Seb or something about Beastmaster because I have the same thoughts of like, I think that Beast should be just sitting in a lane and being that like split pushing monster. And then I watch Seb and he's like, every time Roar's off cooldown, he fights with his team. But then in another game, he's like occupying one lane. It's like, why are you, why are you doing that in this game versus this one, man? Like, <laughs> yeah. I can theorize. I, I just, I can't know for sure what his logic is. And you know, yeah. it's like, we could figure it out. Both of us got, you know, as an offlaner, you know, especially if you're like, if you're immortal, you could probably figure out what Seb's logic is. But it's going to take you a few games, like quite a few yeah. games. And like, if you don't have time to play that, or you just even if you do have time, like for me, I just haven't played Beastmaster. I've been spamming Abaddon on the Legion trying to learn those heroes. I just haven't gotten around to Beastmaster yet. So I, I, yeah. you know, I, I have the same, I have the same questions. Yeah, and a, and a couple of years ago, like you know, Beastmaster was all about the Shadowblade. You get your Shadowblade first item, you run, you fight. Um, and now, like you know, there was a period where I think I played him a lot in just kind of that stick in the lane, run down the lane mindset and i think i played a lot of heroes like that too because that was back when pogna and necrophos were really viable offlaners uh you kind of just buck up and you hit towers um and i think now we're probably starting to shift to be a little bit more like ultra greedy maximize farm and uh i saw somebody in the chat mention necrobook and i i've had people in my pub say like why aren't you buying a necrobook oh, i never buy a necrobook i thought that it was shit no one picked it a ti um, but like it conceptually just soaks up space, right? Like you buy your Necrobook, you send your creeps to a camp, you farm the lane, you just rake in gold, and then that helps you do everything else even even easier. Yeah. Beast also you like, build these you build these like these like hybrid items, you know, you build like medallion, Vlad's Pipe maybe isn't too much of a hybrid item, but you but build can these be aggressive, can like, be defensive. Like, yeah, and yeah. like can be can be pushing, can be split pushing, but also can be fighting. And then you kind of make decisions like based on the game. I guess one of the best things about him is he has a lot of he has a lot quite a few options and like what you can do in the game. He's a pretty yeah. he's a pretty good generic hero that you're never really going to uh, be too upset to like. It's like oh my god, I have a beastmaster on my team. Fuck, we lost. Like nobody's nobody's <laughs> ever said that. Nobody ever will say that. Nobody says that about Jug either. It's like these right. heroes are just generic and just pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, you want uh, to take one on. more question, and then we'll... I, have a, I have a specific question for Canuck. Okay. Ooh. Um, from, this is from RFX. He says, "How does Reach work for lower? Oh, do we already answer this one? Lower MMR players versus higher MMR players. Are there expected to be any ancillary benefits based on skill level? I guess we already talked about that, didn't we? Uh, we talked about the divisions." There's um, going to be divisions. You can basically rank up in the divisions and get into the pinnacle, which is the top the top league. And you can play with pros and make money and get into the academy, etc. Yeah. yeah. I, I um, guess maybe uh, the question is, will there be any like prizes for the lower ones? For the lower, lower rated players, yeah. Um, at the current moment, we're only prizing uh, the pinnacle division. So it's the top. Uh, so it is very top-heavy focused. Um, however, the goal as we continue developing the product is to expand the offerings for players at lower so um, again, the subscription is split with Dota Buff Plus, so you also you get the whole suite of stats from Dota Buff Plus, um, and then you've also got um, oh my, sorry, um, uh, you've got the whole suite of stats from Dota Buff Plus, and then uh, we're also 
none of these are concrete plans, but I've got, you know, notebook full of ideas for what we can do to help lower MMR players, you know, rank their way up through the ladder, something like a mentorship program or something, maybe. Oh, yeah. None of that's, Surprise. yeah. None of that's in the uh, in in the books right now, and can't promise any of it. But uh, that really is my goal because I do want to kind of anchor this system with high MMR players that are aspiring, that are already high ranked, that are immortal. Make sure that the scene is really healthy for those guys, and then start working on how to bring the next tier of players up into that tier, and then go down and down. So that's kind of my goal for what I'm going to do developing the product. Um, but again, I, I can't make promises. We don't set feature goals for it at launch it'll be prizing only for pinnacle players and uh the aim will be to get people into the dsl academy system knock nice. is therefore uh guaranteeing money for the lower <laughs> rated players in the league on behalf of dotabuff.com <laughs> he's, he's not <laughs> um cool uh you got to get out of here you have more fires to put out or I gotta get out of here. I, I gotta go pick up my mom from work, man. <laughs> I, I think, I think one game that went particularly poorly just ended because I had six people all message me at once. That was that little hesitating, oh my god, that I just because <laughs> I, I was busy in my train of thought and then just boom, 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 boom. Oh message. man, um, I gotta go deal with Sammy boy. Right oh, on, man. God, <laughs> of, of, of god, course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> oh, I gotta go deal with Sammy boy tonight too, man. Oh. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, go ahead and just tell everybody, since we've got a lot more people watching now, like what the platform is and uh, where people can, I guess, follow it, follow you, and uh, we'll, we'll get you out of here. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, so, yeah, to everybody out there, uh, I'm Captain Canuck. I, uh, I work for DotaBuff and uh, now Reach.gg. We're a new tournament platform. We're partnering with ESL and uh, come play on our ladder and uh, top it out. You can win a trip out to an ESL event to play in an amateur event and get coached by, uh, by pros. So it's going to be a, uh, uh, it's going to be a really good thing. We're working through a lot of issues in the beta right now. Um, we're kind of working with a limited test group and just, you know, constantly getting updates and feedback and working on, uh, just the stability of the website and the way the systems work and stuff and trying to get everything up to snuff, um, for the official launch. So, uh, keep in touch with us. I think they posted social media and chat there. So, um, yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for up-and-coming players, a lot of Tier 2 players, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing people playing on it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks uh, to our patrons for the questions. We'll get more of those in next week, we promise. Uh, good luck in everybody's games, and uh, good luck with your ticketing system. Your <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, and if anybody is watching is immortal, we uh, we have opened the system up to anybody who is an immortal player already. So uh, if you're high ranked enough to uh, participate, feel free to join us in the Discord and on the website at reach.g. Get in there. Go win those games. We'll see you guys later.